Yeah. <laughs> we need to start doing that after the message, everybody. I don't know about following that. It's amazing. God is good, isn't he, everybody? It's amazing. He knows. He knows. And just to hear that story, just thank you for your generosity that we are able to do that. And I just, I know that's going to bless. Just, we don't know what God's going to do with these things. And I know he's going to do way more than we could ever possibly imagine. So again, thanks for us with that. And and uh, we just can't do it without you. So it's just been an awesome thing uh, to be a part of the Dollar Club with you all. So, well, hey, uh, welcome. I'm so glad that all of you are here and uh, in person. I always want to say hello to everybody who is watching online. And I know God's already met you, and, and, and my prayer is that he continues to do that uh, through the rest of our time, uh, wherever you may be with him. Uh, now, before we get to the message, just really, really quick, I, I have a really big announcement, quick announcement about uh, Easter coming up. I can't believe we're already talking about Easter, everyone, but uh, I just want to get something on your radar uh, before we get to the message, just to put these on your calendar. So uh, on Good Friday, uh, April 7th, we are going to have a Good Friday service at 7 o'clock, so just make sure you mark your calendars for that. It'll be in here in person. We're going to, and that'll be a time, uh, you know, it's, it's a night of worship, but it's not like our nights of worship. It's going to be a more reverent time where we come in, we reflect and meditate on our sin and, and uh, Jesus's work uh, as he died and sacrificed himself for us on the cross. And we're going to take communion together. So just put that on your radar. Don't miss that. Uh, on Good Friday. And then on Easter Sunday, April 9th, we're going to have three services, uh, 8.30, 10, and 11.30. Now, why I have this thing down here is, uh, and we do this every year, uh, and this is a one-off. We're only doing three services, and we're going back to two. But uh, we need, uh, for Easter Sunday, about 500 people to commit to 8.30, all right? 500 people to make a commitment to that service. Uh, and so if you could, that's what that barcode is. Or if you can get your phones out there, if you can make it, and so that's about 200 families, okay? So we're having family or, or children's ministries happening, all three services. So, uh, you know, may, if we could get 500 people to commit to that, it will really balance our services out. So if you can, as soon as possible, make a commitment uh, to the 8.30 service. Sign up as soon as you can so we could just uh, get that and we can celebrate that. And Because we're going to have a pretty big crowd here on Easter. And so 8.30 uh, is where we want to fill up and, and allow the, the 10 and 11.30 people to come in so that we can have good seats. Uh, so do that if you can. That would be really great, all right? All right, let's get to it. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and grab those and open them up to Exodus chapter 15. Exodus 15. Uh, so we are continuing God's story uh, that we are going cover to cover, uh, Genesis to Revelation in a year. Uh, and so last week, where we left off is we left off in Egypt, and we're leaving Egypt, everybody. We've been in there for a while. Hey, if somebody get me a, yeah, mic, that'd be great. This thing's cutting out. Again. So, uh, yeah, we left off in Egypt, and what's happening is uh, God's people, they were in slavery, they were in bondage. Uh, and, and they had been there for about 400 years, about 400 years. And then one day God said, hey, I'm gonna, this is it. I'm going to take you out of slavery. So he sends Moses, uh, his servant there. And, and Moses comes and he goes to Pharaoh. And he says, hey, you got to let, let my people go. And Pharaoh is like, huh? I kind of like uh, having people do our work, so no. You know, so then what God does is, is he sends these 10 horrific plagues, uh, and they were just terrible, and then Pharaoh finally says, okay, you can go. Like, get out of here, take your people, take your plagues, get out of here, stop the plagues. And so they pack up, 
and they head out of Egypt. There's about a million of them, and they head out of Egypt. So this is where we're going to pick up here in Exodus 15. So hopefully you made your way there. And let's read this in verse 1. It says, Then Moses and the Israelites sang this song to the Lord. He said, I will sing to the Lord, for he is highly exalted. Both horse and driver he has hurled into the sea. The Lord is my strength and my defense. He has become my salvation. He is my God, and I will praise him, my Father's God, and I will exalt him. And so uh, here's what we're seeing, everybody. Uh, there is a party going on. Like they are partying down, and, and, and the people are singing, and they're celebrating. And why they're doing that is because of what just happened. And here's what happened. So, so they take off from Egypt, and they start heading out. Uh, and then uh, as they take off, they stop by a place called the Red Sea, and, and, and they're just getting some rest. But then what they don't know is Pharaoh kind of has a change of heart, and he goes, hey, you know, I kind of miss having people doing stuff for me. And so then he goes, now let's go get them back. And so they take off, uh, Pharaoh and his army take off to go get uh, Israel and bring them back into slavery. And so now they catch up to him and they see him coming on the horizon. And now uh, Israel is stuck between Pharaoh and his army in this Red Sea that might as well be an ocean. Like it was huge. And so they look at Moses and they go, thanks a lot. Like, is this what rescue looks like? Is this a terrible rescue plan? But then Moses basically says, hey, don't fear. Fear not. Wait. He goes, just wait. God's going to do something. Trust God. And then one of the most like, famous stories in the entire Bible happens. God tells Moses to raise his staff up, and the Red Sea splits in two, and they walk across this huge body of water that's split in two all the way across to dry land. And then once they get over, Pharaoh and his army chase them down, and God closes up the Red Sea, swallows them up, they get flooded out. And so God's people are now on the other side, on dry land, safe and free. And so What's happening here in chapter 15 uh, is, is there's a worship service going on. They're just singing, and, and you can read it for yourself. The whole chapter is really a song uh, that they're singing. So let's keep reading here, verse 20. It says, Then Miriam, the prophetess, the sister of Aaron, took a tambourine in her hand, and all the women went out after her with tambourines and dancing. And Miriam sang to them, Sing to the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously. Now we got a party going on, everybody. Now it's party time. And so we got the tambourines. Well, I thought that was funny. And uh, they got the tambourines. Wake up. And so uh, they, they were just doing all this stuff. And, and here's why I want to put this in front of us. Uh, as, as many times as I can, I just want to be able to say this as we come across it in the Bible. You know, one of the comments I have a lot is, you know, man, especially here is, is you know, gosh, man, like when we come to your worship service, like it's a lot of lights and it's, it's really loud, uh, you know, on Sunday morning. It's kind of like a concert. And my answer to that is, yeah, it kind of is. It kind of is, because that's what traditional worship is, everyone. Like, that is the Old Testament kind of worship. It's as old as there, that you celebrate. You celebrate, because here's the thing, everybody. What we get to do every Sunday is we get to sing to the Lord, who has triumphed gloriously. Anybody say amen to that? That's what we get to do. And that's what I love that we see here on a Sunday morning, because he wins. He wins. Jesus wins. He beat death. He redeemed us. He rescued us. And we have a purpose and a life worth living because of Jesus. It's the greatest news ever. And so the fact that we get to do that every Sunday is an awesome thing. And, and here's what I want to say. Yes, there, there is a time to reflect. There is a time to be quiet before God. 
But man, can I just say there's also a time to clap a little bit and there's, a, there's also a time to shout a little bit about our God. Am I making sense to anybody? And so that's what we want to do here that we get to do. And so I always wanted, I, I, we, just, we, we shouldn't be that quiet about Jesus. And so I'm just glad that we aren't and I'm glad that we sing loud. And that's why we do it. So, so anyways, this is what's going on, right? They're celebrating, they're partying, tambourine lays cranking, right? So now, doesn't take long though. Doesn't take long for the tides to turn. Let's read verse 22, two verses later. So, all right, then Moses made Israel set out from the Red Sea, and they went into the wilderness of Shur, and they went three days in the wilderness and found no water. And when they came to Marah, they could not drink the water of Marah because it was bitter, and that's why they, called, they named it Marah. And the people grumbled against Moses, saying, what shall we drink? And so here's what we see happen, everybody. They go from a worship experience to a desert experience pretty quickly. Tambourine ladies nowhere to be found, you know? I don't, I don't want to speak for her. Maybe she tried to get it cranking again. They were like, shut it down, Miriam. Like, if you, if you don't know a rain dance, zip it. I don't know. Like, I don't know. She might have been trying on the old hip. I don't know. But um, now, <laughs> you wonder, like, here's what I wonder when I read that. I don't know if you're like, do you ever wonder why he sent them to the bitter place in the first place? Because he was guiding them, everybody. Don't miss that. Like, they were just following where he was leading them, and, the, and he could have taken them anywhere, but he, take, he took them to this bitter place. And I just wonder if God was subtly trying to tell them something, and honestly tell us something as well as we read this story, that I think maybe he was trying to tell us, hey, there is a picture of something going on in your hearts, that there's something more going on, and that yes, I did rescue you, yes, I did get you out of Egypt, but there's a whole lot more going on that you're gonna need to figure out, and, and I wanna work through this with you, and, and here's the thing, I am not leaving you. I am in the long haul with you because I love you. You're mine, and I love you, and I'm the Lord who will meet your needs. I just wonder if, if that's why he sent him there, because here's what follows, and, and what happens over the next several chapters, is, is God's people are gonna come to barrier after barrier of things where they get stopped and they grumble a little bit, but then here's what we see. We never see God leaving them. We always see him giving them what they need. He keeps showing up. So, so they, he gets, they get water at this point in time. Then down the road, they, they don't have food, and they're like, well, we need to feed, and he drops food from heaven, manna from heaven. Then later, they, they, they get to a place where they're thirsty again, and water literally comes out of a rock. It just shoots out of a rock miraculously, and then later on, they're in this battle, and they're losing, and it's obvious that God wins this battle for them, because God says, hey, every time you raise your hand, Moses, I'm going to win. And so keep your hands up. And so it was obvious that he won a battle for them. And, and here's why we're saying all this. This is all of this right here between when they left and to where we're going is really important to understand with where we're going in chapter 20. If you want to flip there, we're going to go to chapter 20 uh, because where all of this is ultimately going to land is God giving them the Ten Commandments. All right, that's where we're going to go today. And I want to get us there really quick because a lot of times when the Ten Commandments is taught or when we talk about it, it's kind of like just dropped on us without the groundwork of what's going on and what's happening with God's people and, and what they've been through and what God is wanting to establish. So here's where we are after the Exodus. We're like four months down the road of all this stuff going on, three, four months down the road from the Exodus in Egypt, okay? And so then in chapter 19, uh, we'll get to 20 in a second. They come to the base of a mountain. They come to the base of a mountain, and God says, okay, stop here. Just stop. And so they stop, and Moses goes up this mountain, and he, and he talks to God. And here's what God says in verse 10 in chapter 19. 
says, And the Lord said to Moses, Hey, go to the people and consecrate them today and tomorrow. Have them wash their clothes and be ready by the third day, because on that day the Lord will come down on Mount Sinai, the site uh, of all the people. We're going to skip down to verse 16. And it says this. So they did that. And it says, On the morning of the third day there was thunder and lightning with a thick cloud over the mountain and a very loud trumpet blast. Everyone in the camp trembled. And then Moses led the people out of the camp to meet with God. Okay, and so pretty awesome scene, right? The vivid presence of God is there. And so what he's doing is he's trying to tell them something big is going to happen. It's obvious something big is going to happen. And here's the big thing that happens. God gives them the Ten Commandments. He gives them the Ten Commandments. Uh, and so here's, here's what we're going to do. We're, uh, we're going to read. We're going to look at a couple things about it. But here's what, here's what happens in chapter 20, verse 1. It says this. It says, And God spoke all these words. I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. Okay, so as we study the Ten Commandments this morning, uh, if you got your notes out there, go ahead and grab those. I just want to share four thoughts about the Ten Commandments. And the first one is actually one that I think gets missed a lot because it actually happens before the list is ever given to the people. Uh, and so if you're taking notes, here it is. It's that the Ten Commandments are actually a confirmation. Ten Commandments are a confirmation. And so as you read and you look at this, again, I just want to reflect what the, the Scripture's saying here. Here's what we got to catch. See, God uh, didn't give them the rules to start the relationship. He actually did it because they were already in relationship with him. So you got it's so important to see. Uh, so God doesn't start with do this and don't do this and then we'll be okay. Here's how God started this. He started by saying, I am the Lord, your God. That we are already in this amazing relationship together. I choose you. You're mine. I love you. Before you belonged to Pharaoh, you had no freedom, no land, you had no future, but now you belong to me. And I rescued you, and I love you. And here's the thing, gang, and I did all that with no prerequisite. I did it with no prerequisite. So the bottom line, the bottom line before we get into this is, is, is this. When it comes to us and God, this is so huge to understand, is that relationship will always come before the rules. That relationship will always come before the rules. And so the law, the law was never a condition to be a part of the family. It was never a condition to be a part of the family. It was a confirmation that they already were in the family. So big to see. So big to see. Uh, so that's the first one is a confirmation. Here's the second one if you're taking notes. It also does outline what's important. The Ten Commandments outline what's important. So again, think about the people here. And, and I think we need to keep going back to what they were going through, what they were experiencing. Uh, and so here's, again, a little bit more about it. They've been a slave state for 400 years. All right? That is generational slavery. Like, that's all they knew, just being told to do. They had no idea. So they had no, like, when they got free, they had no civil law. They had no constitution to govern themselves at all or anything to guide them. And so, gang, listen, they needed some guidance. Like, they needed some help to understand, hey, what's important? 
Like, what should I value now? I've just, you know, I don't know. What, what are the things that we need to see that are important? And here's the thing. Uh, if you go back and read, and context does matter, if you go back to chapter 18, you can r- write that down and read chapter 18. Here's what you'll read how they do without any organizational constitution, which is about how good your kids would do if you just showed up one day and said, all right, guys, new day, new day. No rules, no guidelines. Here's the keys to the car. There's the code to the safe. Have a great life. And just, like... That'd be a train wreck. That'd be a train wreck, right? And, and, and here's, what, here's what you would find out. I'm telling you, you would, here's what would end up happening. It wouldn't take too long uh, that the fun would wear off, and if, uh, hopefully they're not dead, uh, that they would look for you and find you and say, God, I need some guidance, Mom. I need some guidance, Dad. Like, help us, okay? And I know some of you don't believe that about your kids, but they come to the light eventually. I know it, all right? So, so for the people, uh, they, had all, they had this freedom. And they're like, what do you mean we're free? Like, we're free? Like, what? They, they didn't even know how to act. Like, they didn't know what to do. And so here's what God does. God says, okay, I'm going to provide a constitution for you. I'm going to give you some civil laws. I'm going to give you some outlines on how to conduct your life and what to value and how to go out that now that you are free. And so here's what we're going to do. We're going to look at it. We're going to look at the list. Uh, and here's what I want us to determine as we go through the Ten Commandments. I want us to see what this is pointing to. I want us to see what the Ten Commandments point to. Is it pointing to control, like thou shalt, thou shalt not, or is it actually doing something altogether completely different? So I just want us to determine this for ourselves. So here's the first one that he says, hey, you shall have no other gods before me, right? No other gods before me. That's number one. Now, so when he says this, what we need to do is we need to kind of uh, see through the lens of Israel with this, because I think what we tend to do is when we go through the Ten Commandments as well, we kind of look through our modern eyes first, and there's nothing wrong with that. I think that's a really good thing. But like for this commandment, for instance, it's like, hey, don't put anything above God, right? Don't put anything above, nothing should be more important, so keep everything else in check, right? Keep your possessions in check, like keep your money in check, uh, enjoy March Madness, but not that much. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, that's what we do. And I think that's good. I think that's totally, I don't, there's nothing wrong with, with doing that at all. But, but when we go back to when he was doing this, like what we got to see is, is this is what God was hitting. Here's what he was cutting through in this commandment. See, in those days, monotheism was like a crazy thought. Like that was a, a crazy thing because here's everyone, even Israel, like they all subscribed that, yeah, there's, there's a God in heaven, yeah. Uh, everybody's kind of said that, but, but there were also gods of where you lived. I mean, obviously, that's where they were. Like there are definitely God. So every piece of geography had a God attached to it. Like wherever you were, uh, there was a God of that geography. So every region had a God that represented us. And so this is where they're coming from. They're coming from Egypt, right? Where they said there are gods that represent these lands. And so here's, now think about it. This is what God was coming in and cutting through with this. It's really cool. So God or Yahweh, like we said, or I am, see, he came in and he came to Egypt and he did what he did. Like he just, he put to shame any other God that was over there and he showed who really was God and and, and Pharaoh and Egypt and all their hundreds and hundreds of God. Nothing like that had ever happened in the history of the world. Like nothing like that had ever happened. And so this was a whole new level to what they experienced with their God. And so when, when he said this, there would be no other gods before me, they were like, uh, yeah. Like after we saw what we saw with what you did, that's a no brainer, God. But he's just, he's just establishing this relationship. Here's the second one. He said, you shall not make for yourselves an image in the form of anything. So he's saying, you shall have no carved images. Now, 
again, what we got to catch here is what we think of as like like somebody carving an idol of something else. He was also talking about himself. He, so he was saying, you can't even make an image of me. And so, again, we got to think about this. Like, this was crazy to think about uh, because what he was getting at was he was saying, and this was so f- far out of left field for them. Like, they were like, what do you mean? No, what, what, do, we, what do we worship? Because, like, again, we need a physical thing to worship. Because it, and a system of worship without an idol was unheard of. That was wild here. So people didn't know what to do with that. And actually, as you read on, you see that this is one of the first ones they fail at. Because they just didn't know how to deal with that. They're like, we need something to look at and something to do. They couldn't imagine worship without an object. But here's what God was saying. Again, we got to catch It's so profound. So profound and so changing. With, and unlike any God that they knew, here's what he was saying. He was saying... There is nothing that can explain me. There is nothing that can contain me. And there's no rare metal or thing on earth that you could ever do or shape or whatever, no image that could ever represent me accurately. So this this was just so different from anything they had ever heard ever with God. Just Just a different way to look at this. Here's the number three. That you shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God. So don't cuss. Next one. No, just kidding. Now, right? That's what we do. Don't cuss. Don't say GD. You know, I was like, that's what we do. But see, that's not, so again, don't cuss. I guess, and amen to that. But I'm saying that's not what he meant here. That's not what he meant here. Uh, so vain, the Hebrew word for vain, so the, the original is they don't take the Lord's name in vain. And so the Hebrew word for vain means hollow. Or actually, it means to no good purpose or empty. And so what he was really getting at, it has more to do with how highly we are valuing and regarding the name and character of our God. That he's like, you got to be real careful when you do. So it's more about how you do use his name and not actually cussing at all. And so we, what he's saying is you cannot take the name of God in a way where it's hollow where, or, or where you use it for your own gain or where you're actually backing something up that actually is not from the Lord, that is not God's and you know it is. Like, and you, you hear this all the time. And it's really serious where you're like, hey, I just, God wants me to be happy. God wants, that's using the Lord's name in vain because that's, that that's not always true. Like, he wants that for you, but if it goes against something that God already said, then you're using his name in vain or, or just saying, hey, I think, I think God wants me to do this or, hey, I'm at peace with this. And it's like, well, you know, peace doesn't come when it's against God's word. So that, it's a bigger thing than, than cussing. So, uh, and here's the fourth one. He says, all right, remember the Sabbath day. Now, if these other three were like not on their radar, this, would, this was off the map. This was off the map for them because here's what he says. He goes, okay, now also... I want you to take a day off. And they're like, a day off what? Everything. Uh, okay. So who gets to take this day off, God? He goes, everybody. And even your livestock, even the animals. And they're like, well, how do we do that? And he's like, I, you know, so they're like, how are we going to eat? How are we going to sustain ourselves? What are we going to do today? Do we just let them run off? What do we do? Like, and, all this, and he's like, no, here's, here's the thing. I'll take care of it. I got you. I will take care of you. And that's what he's saying. Let me prove it to you. Let me prove it to you. And because, and again, like the wildness of hearing this, like there was no such thing as weekends for them. 
Like, there was no lazy Sunday, right? I didn't want to live back then then. You know what I'm saying? Like, there was no such thing as that. He's like, I just want to prove to you how much I'm going to take care of you. So, so these first four right here, if they're in kind of, they're in two groups, really. These first four really are about the vertical relationship that I have with my heavenly Father, me and God. Now, five through ten, the next six uh, are really going to deal with me and you. It's going to be dealing with us and other people and how we value and honor and treat other people. And so I'm going to go through these like a list. I just put them up there. Hopefully we know the list. But, but we're just really quick. Uh, and here's what it is. Like, the number five was, hey, honor your father and mother. And that, that goes further than just saying, uh, did say yes or no to them. Honor is a totally different word. That you shall not murder. Uh, you shall not commit adultery. That you shall not steal you shall not lie and you shall not covet, which means, man, find satisfaction outside of other people. Like, you should be able to find that. Don't be jealous of, of other people. Okay, so, so that's the list, right? That's the 10. Now, as I look at that list, and as I, like, know who God is in my own life and how I do, here's the deal, here's the deal. There is not a single thing on that list that I actually flinch at. There's not one thing that I want to say, hit the pause button, hold on, God. Like, there's not one of those things that don't make sense to me because, gang, here's the thing. If everybody just did those 10 things, what kind of world would we live in? It'd be a pretty great world, wouldn't it? Wouldn't if they just, if everybody just followed those 10 things, locks on houses would never exist. Marriages would be flourishing, no harm done, no broken families, no lying, where unity is prevailing and churches would be full, full of people who come and set aside their day of resting and recalling who God is and what he's done in their life. And really, that's the point, gang. That's what it is. The law represents the kind of world that God wants us to have. That's what the Ten Commandments are all about. And so here's my deal. My deal is that the commandments aren't there to make us feel guilty. They're here for you to see this is the world God wants. And they're here. This is what the full life looks like. This is what a meaningful life of following God can be. And it's loving God and loving others. So they're a confirmation, right? They give us the instructions we need. And here's the third one if you're taking notes, is that they are, they're also a conversation. They're a conversation. <clears throat> So when we understand, when we understand uh, that we have this great relationship with him outside of the rules, and then when we come to a place where really we do know that we need to have some sort of guardrails in our life, we do need to have some instruction in our life, see, then this one becomes really easy. Because what this one becomes is it becomes, the Ten Commandments become a heart check. It's really like a heart check. So, so it becomes almost like this, hey, how we doing? Like when I look at these, how we doing? How you doing on keeping me important, Andy? Hey, how you doing on resting in me? How you doing in loving people? And doesn't that flip the script with how so many people live with these? It really does. So it becomes this conversation I get to have with God. He's like, remember, I'm, I'm always with you. I'm not gonna, so how you doing? How we doing? And just like, here's the thing, just like any other relationship, any other thing, there are these expectations that we have, right? No different than us and God. And then just like any other relationship that we're in, these expectations are not always fully met, right? Like, there are going to be times where a rule is broken, and then what happens when a rule is break, broken in a relationship? Strain happens, right? Like, it's, and strain in that is felt, right? Am I right, 
married people? Amen. Am I right? Parents, yes. Like we know what we're talking about. And so then, then what happens, what we do is we put some attention on it. Hey, that got broken, that got, there's strain. Let's work on this. Let's get reconciliation coming in so that we could get back to where we know uh, we need to be. And the same thing comes in with us and God. And, and then what we do is we move towards bettering the relationship. So, so again, like really important to see, man, what God doesn't, God doesn't just want conformity. He wants communion. He wants conversation. He, he loves you. And by the way, he also really likes you. And he wants to talk to you and he wants to be around you. I think some of us are a little confused about that sometimes. And here's the fourth one. So again, there are confirmation, there are instructions, conversation, and it's also a promise. It's a promise. And so as you read through the next several books of the Bible, like what you're gonna find is like the 10 commandments really are almost like a table of contents that, that God provides of people of Israel. Because when you start to read, like you're gonna start coming across like a lot more of these instructions. And then more, and then more, and then more. Okay, and like there's like 600 of them. There's like 590 some more. And so why so many? Why? Well, here's why there were so many of them because this was their civil law. Like this was the stuff that had all kinds of details and regardings and all those things that they needed. A lot of them at that time. A lot of them at that time. And so uh, here's what we got to catch. This is what we got to catch with all this. Like even let's back up just to these 10 again. What you're gonna find. And what's important for us to understand, it didn't take them very long to break the rules. And you know this too, and if you didn't, welcome to church. You, it doesn't take you very long to break them either. It doesn't take me very long to break them as well. And I'm talking about the first 10, not the other five. We don't have to worry about your pretty little head about 590, okay? Like, and, and here's what God is saying. This is what we gotta catch, gang. God is saying here, hey, you better follow the rules or else. That's not what he's saying. He's saying, trust me. Trust me. Hey, if you, just, if you just follow me, if you follow me and trust me, you are going to find the freedom that I freed you to. You're gonna find it if you just trust me. But if you don't, if you give up that trust, if you give up on trusting me and you break away from this, then you're gonna find that you're breaking away from freedom and what I bought you back with. That, that, that's what he's saying. And they do. Gang, listen, they do. They break away. They, they go their own way. And we do it too. We do it as well. And, and what we see, though, over and over again, you can't miss this, is God not saying, all right, now you die. That's not what he says. We see God going through their rebellion, through their idol worship, through their breaking away, and God never once abandoned his people. Why? Because they were his people before the rules ever came. And you gotta catch that. They were his people before he ever established the first rule they they didn't behave their way in and they will never be able to behave their way out you got to catch that everybody it's so huge to see and so for us this is how it comes in for us see the purpose of the rules isn't to show us uh, our lack of conformity so to make us feel guilty it shows us god's perfection and the way that he wants it to be but it also reminds us that there is a gap right there is a gap between us fulfilling all those things and doing those and there's a gap and i love how paul puts it about the gap that we have uh, and the tension that we feel with this. Here's what he says in Galatians 2. He says, yet we know that a person is made right with God by faith in Jesus Christ, not by obeying the law. And, and we have belief in Christ Jesus so that we might be made right with God because of our faith in Christ, not because we've obeyed the law. For no one will ever be made right with God by obeying the law. And so 
This is the amazing reality about the Ten Commandments. I love this. It's so awesome to think about. This is the amazing reality of the law. See, the law helps us see and experience uh, the fullness of life that God wants us to have and the way that God thinks uh, this life should be and what that means. And at the same time, here's the thing, at the same time, it shows us that while we strive for that life, while we strive for those things that God tells us to do, we fall short. That we fall short. That the law convicts us at the same time, it actually guards us. It's, it's an amazing thing. And so then we realize, when we realize we can't stay in God's grace on our own, uh, that creates a gap. But then ultimately what it does is it drives us to the gap filler. It drives us to the sufficiency of Christ and, and what he did for us. That through Christ, we could come to God. We could come to God, that we can receive forgiveness and live in God's good grace. And then what we get to do, gang, is we get to pick ourselves back up. We get to pick ourselves back up and keep agreeing with the law and keep knowing and believing that that is the life worth living and we live out the faith that we know works. It's amazing, isn't it? It's an amazing thing that those things do. So, so that's what the Ten Commandments is all about. And that, by the way, is why they are so relevant for us today. Uh, now, here's, what, here's how I want to end. I want to end by giving us like four challenges, four challenges to end uh, as we close. And, and th- I think these are things that we just need to do. These what we need to do. Here's the first one. one. We need to believe in God's confirmation. Believe in God's confirmation. I, <clears throat> I think there are some of you here, I think you need to do some work with him right there on that. I, just to come to an understanding, what is this relationship really about? Like, who are you? And like, what do you mean to my life, God? Even Because even, the, here's the thing, gang. I know I've been at this too long that I, I know this. Even though we just laid it out very clearly, very clearly the confirmation that we have, a lot of people still think God loves them conditionally. That if I just do this and I do it the right way, then I'll be in God's good graces. And if I don't, then I'm like on Santa's naughty list. That's how people live their faith. And it's a terrible way to live out your faith because it's not even true. It's just so far from the truth. It's just not true. Because here's the thing, gang. This is the danger of that. If that's your mentality, that he loves you conditionally, then when you fail, which you will, we all will, none of us are perfect, then we believe a lie. We believe a lie, which is, well, God's probably disappointed in me, and then you just stay away from him until you get better yourself, and then, okay, God, now I'm better, so this is, this is how you live your life. So many people go through life with the thought that God loves me conditionally, provisionally, disappointed, and, and at best, maybe he tolerates me because uh, I know what I've done, and he kind of has to love me, but none of that's true. None of that's true. Here's what's true. What is true is if you are in fact and indeed in Christ, then you are in a relationship, and relationship always precedes the rules. Every time, every time, believe in God's confirmation. Here's a second one, that I gotta see God's instructions then for what they are, right? That the law is always pointing to what's good, okay? You can't believe anything else. It's always pointing to what's good and fulfilling. If you see that for anything else, then you're missing it. You're really missing it. Uh, but at the same time, here's the thing. At the same time that it does that, it also points to, to something about us, right? It points to a gap. It just points to what's good, points to a gap. But it's because it's also a mirror to show us that we don't, that we don't measure up. That, that It does point to how broken we are. And, and we need that balance, gang. We need that balance. You've got to first understand what it's for and then what it shows us. And it should drive us to the third one, which is that we've got to have a conversation. Got to have a conversation. So as we go by the law, we know we're not perfect. That should never drive you away from your heavenly father. 
And I, it's a travesty, but I know it happens to so many people. It should only drive you towards him and his great love for you. And then the fact that he says, no, no, you are mine. I bought you. I'm never going back on that. And so it should drive us towards the God who loves us and wants a relationship with us and is ready to forgive and allow grace to come right back in so that we can agree with the law again and keep working towards that as best we can. And here's what I want to tell you. I don't care what your sin is. I don't care what you did. I don't care how bad you think that is. God wants to hear from you. He wants to heal you. He wants to forgive you so you can move with him in this life. Amen, everybody? He wants to have a conversation with you. So maybe a challenge for some of you today is, is just, just to do this today, just to get into a quiet place, sit down, and go, God, how are we doing? When's the last time you did that? Maybe you've run away from that. I'm telling you, all you'll feel is his love and his care for you, and just see where it goes from there. Maybe he'll reveal some things to you, and maybe he'll say, let's, let's get going here. Let's restore what I paid for, because here's the fourth one. We've got to remember where the promise comes from, right? We've got to remember the promise I have in Christ, that all of this is only possible through the sacrificial work done by Jesus. So when, Je when Jesus said, it is finished, he meant it, gang. He meant it, gang. And here's the thing, you don't have the right to tell him what to say. Like he said, no, sorry, I died for this statement. It's finished. And what I did is permanent. What I did was permanent. He paid for that promise to be permanent. And so let's go towards that confirmation like we know we can. Let me pray. God, thank you that you do love us. Man, all I see through these stories and as we go through the Bible is your great, amazing love for us, that there's no prerequisite to coming into this relationship that we can't behave our way in and we will never be able to behave our way out. It's all through Jesus by which we can have this amazing communion with you. I pray for those of us who feel far away right now. I just, um, I just feel like it's there for so many and, and that we're just removing ourselves from what you've already promised and what you've already confirmed is that we can come closer to you, that we draw near to you, that, that you have nothing but grace and forgiveness available for those of us who come and confess what's going on in our lives so we could be restored and be made right through the name of Jesus Christ. I, man, I, I pray for somebody out there just to have a sit down with you today, just to say, how we doing? How we doing, God? Help me, and you will help. So, Lord, I just lift this day up to you. I thank you so much for, for what you've given us, and, and you give us so much, and you give us freedom. And, and I pray, and for freedom's sake, that we go out there and we be an awesome name for Jesus Christ wherever we go today, and it's in his name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right, everybody, that concludes our service. Hope you have a great Sunday. We'll see you here next time.